You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 181, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. Brooklyn's Johnny Dynamite joins me for this edition of the podcast. The Brooklyn synth pop king just released his second solo album, Sleeveless on Born Losers Records, and it builds off of the dark and dreamy sound of his 2020 debut, Heartbroken. Like that record, Sleeveless sees Dynamite leaning heavily into synth-driven arrangements and electronic production to create songs that tell vivid stories, both based in reality and fiction. During our interview, Johnny and I chatted about how he got his stage name, Johnny Dynamite, from a comic book character created by his late grandfather, Pete Morisi, the lyrical inspiration behind the album's dramatic and theatrical first single, Triflin' Kids, the recording process behind Sleeveless, how the music he's creating has evolved sonically since his days playing in his previous project, What Moon Things, and much more. Plus, Johnny picked some awesome records from Nirvana, Kendrick Lamar, The Jesus and Mary Chain, and more. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. What's up, everyone? Another great episode of Look at My Records happening right now with my friend, the great Johnny Dynamite. He just put out a new record with his band, The Bloodsuckers, called Sleeveless. It's out now on the great Philadelphia label, Born Losers Records. John, congrats on the release. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me, Tom. And I love Look at My Records. I'm honored to be back on. Oh, hell yeah. So, what have you been up to the past year? In addition to preparing for the release of this album, I know you're involved with so many other projects in and around New York City. You're the drummer of Weiner. You've played in other bands. You've done production work as well. How you how have you been keeping yourself busy over this last weird, crazy year? I mean, this year totally had its like ups and downs for me in terms of like playing music. Sometimes I take months off, you know, not really finding any inspiration, and then like a little thing would happen, and I would like take that like little thing and try to like work off it as much as possible whether it's like producing something or just writing like a ton of words because like for me it's usually like life experiences that kind of like influence the music and like being around friends and like yeah. having friends you know like and get their that's idea that's not happening yeah that wasn't yeah. happening now it's back to happening a little bit so th that's interesting because you seem in the last couple of years this is your second full length in less than a two-year period. So what were you doing in those periods where you weren't really 
inspired creatively or musically? I was really just like chilling. I was hanging out with my girlfriend at the time. I spent like about a month at my dad's house and I haven't done that like since I was like 18 years old and I'm 28 now. So that was like kind of surreal for me. Yeah. Were you able to draw anything from those different experiences that maybe you'll put into your music now since these are really unique, different life experiences that people have been experiencing over the last year? Totally, totally. On on Sleeveless, there's uh, the song Abasement Tapes and there's the song Angel. And both of those were kind of like inspired from like living at my dad's house. He's like gotten really into like religion and and like Jesus over the past year. Nice. And it was like kind of like, yeah, it was like kind of like bizarre to me. So like, and like, I, I totally support him. But like, just like seeing how much he got into it, like was kind of, uh, it was kind of just like overwhelming to me. And like, that's kind of like what those songs are about. Yeah, that's cool. I really like a basement tapes. It's the second track on your new record. It's interesting because, like I said, you put out Heartbroken only a year and a half ago. So for the songs on this record, were they all basically written and recorded in the time after Heartbroken came out? Um, Actually, a lot of them were recorded before Heartbroken. And I just had a bunch of songs that I've been sitting on for a long time. So... I kind of like finalized some of them over the past year, but like, like songs like "It's Dynamite," "Can't Stop My Love," those were re uh, like recorded and even written before uh, quarantine. And like the song "Drugs" on the record, I actually wrote like eight years ago when I was oh, twenty wow. years old. Yeah. So for. For something like that in particular, Drug, the song that you wrote so long ago, what's your relationship to that song like now? And how has a song like that changed over the course of the last eight years? Um, it's my relationship to it. Like, I always like love that song and I would play it live sometimes for people just here or there and people be like, oh, I like that one. Why haven't you done anything yeah. with that? And like... So I was like, you know what? I think it's finally time to put this song out. I've been sitting on it way too long. And I changed some lyrics to kind of like actually make it feel a little bit more new and a little bit more uh, relevant to me these days. But like it, it kind of is just like a wave of nostalgia playing that song. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, I, I loved your projects that you've been involved in over the years something you were involved in probably about eight to ten years ago what moon things and the sound of that band sounds much different than what you're doing with johnny dynamite here it's more of a kind of like a dark alternative rock there's not like a ton of synths in that project it sounds like with that what started the interest in pursuing a sound that 
is more synth driven and electronic oriented like you've been doing with Johnny Dynamite and the Bloodsuckers. You know what Moon Things, it was actually always my intention to like have it more like synth driven yeah. and more like drum machine heavy. But at the time I grew up just as a as a rocker listening to like Nirvana yeah. and, and things like that. And all I really knew how to do was like play guitar, play drums, play bass. So I was like trying to like kind of take that kind of sound and just do do it the way that I can do it. And like at the time I bought like a micro cork, so I'd like sprinkle a little bit of synth here or there. Yeah. But then like as the years went on, I, I like started to learn a bit more about synthesizers. I got better at like program programming drum machines so they felt a bit more like how I drummed. And and that's that's pretty much the evolution of it. For me it feels like kind of all on the same like story arc and it's just kind of i kind of finally took it to where i always wanted it to be what originally piqued your interest in exploring synthesizers more since you you do have this kind of more analog background i know you are originally from our previous interviews a drummer then taught yourself guitar and all other instruments what, what kind of sparked that transition for you to explore more synth uh, driven music and electronic music um i think honestly i think it was Tycho. i think in like 2013 or 2014 he put out that album dive and i never liked ambient music i never liked electronic music i was one of those people who was kind of like yeah. oh, that's, that's not really my thing you know but then i heard that record and it just it kind of took me away i was just like wow i want to figure out how to make sounds like that i want to like take those sounds and incorporate it into like more like singer songwriter style music and along with hearing that i also at the same time just completely randomly also was really getting into the cure a lot yeah they yeah totally yeah they they incorporate a lot like synths and like stuff like that and kind of mesh it with that like same kind of like guitar tone that i use and I think I just kind of wanted to like take all those worlds and just push them together. Yeah. The thing that I've really started to appreciate about The Cure and I hear it in your music as well is a good balance between synths and guitars. You know, it's still synth driven, but there's still a strong guitar presence where I feel like some bands kind of lose a guitar completely, but it really adds that brighter layer to the sound, you know? Totally, totally. And there's been times where I've thought about just like ditching the guitar and there's a few tracks where I do just ditch it, but I, I always have to have a little bit of that guitar on, on the record. Hell yeah. So for <laughs> Heartbroken, you recorded and produced everything yourself and it sounds like you took the same approach with Sleeveless in kind of a, a piecemeal approach where you kind of seemed like you worked on and recorded it in bits and pieces. Why do you think that approach works so well for you in putting an album together? I talked to a lot of different artists and bands and some of them, you know, go to the studio, knock it out in two days and the record's done. For you, it seems like it kind of comes together over time on your own pace. Why do you approach uh, making a record that way and why do you think it works? well for you 
Um, I think first of all, I'm I'm kind of picky and I dwell on things a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so like, <laughs> I like to like write something, record it like in the comfort of like my little room. Yeah, and then I could like listen to it all day. Like I'll listen to something on repeat a hundred times, and people are like, like you're crazy, like. You- are you obsessed with yourself? I'm like, no, I just like, this is what I need to do. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I love the music. I love making it. And like, I just have to do that. And it's just like, it's the thing that like gets me through my day. It makes me happy. But like, in terms of like going to like a studio every time, like I've gone to a studio with a band, I feel like there's all this like pressure. Yeah. That, like, yeah. Up. You're like, okay, we're spending like a lot of money that I could be buying. Like, microphones and like all these other things with and do it myself but we're spending all this money going to this place and maybe we have one day two days or three days to just get everything that we've been like working on for like the past year just like down and that like concept like blows my mind that like people are still doing that like it's it just sounds stressful and i never want making music or like recording music to be stressful. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to have that relaxed approach and it's good to be able to listen back to what you made so that you can have it sound exactly the way you want it to. So for, for sleeveless, did you find it was hard to kind of, let go of the songs then at the at the end did you want to continue to work on the tracks how do you set how do you set limits for yourself then as far as how you know when a song is done because sometimes i feel like if you have an infinite amount of time to listen and re-record and retrack stuff in the comfort of your home, own home you can probably pour over it endlessly. How do you kind of set those boundaries for yourself so that you know something's done and ready to be shared with the world? Right, yeah, that that is tough. So like, sometimes I will just take forever on it. Like I said, like, Can't Stop My Love was, like, something that I worked on forever, but there got, there's a certain point where I was just like, I'm not adding anything. I'm yeah, listening yeah. to it. I like it. And then I know it's time, like, I know it could be better. So it's time for me to hand it off to someone else to mix and, like, add whatever they feel. And I actually look forward to uh, that kind of surprise. And I'm, like, I was working with Trey Fry from Corinne. And, like, I, I idolize his music. I, I yeah, think yeah. They're, they're, I'm such a big fan. And so just, like, being able to send my stuff to Trey, I was just like, like, this is going to be incredible, you know? Like, I was just like, this is going to be anything I could ever dream for. But, like, leading up to that moment, um, like, Trey kind of helped me get onto Born Losers Records, and, like, there was, like, started to be, like, a little deadline, and there was, like, some songs that were, like, not quite finished. I was like, yeah, but they're all done. And then I was just, like, rushing, like, at the end to, like, add, like, all the little things that I was, like, hearing, like, a little bit maybe, like, too lazy to like add at, or like was it like a little bit afraid to like even touch but i just like rushed it rushed in like threw everything on it and i just sent it off so i i did have somewhat of like like a deadline or like a point where i yeah. did have to like just get it done yeah so so that's interesting too so for the mixing process you you like to take 
a hands-off approach when you send it off to someone. You kind of let them do their thing. You take care of everything leading up until to that point, and then you work with someone that you trust so that they can kind of work and then bounce it back to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, if I was just working with a random mixer, that, that would be, like, so stressful. Or mixing engineer, <laughs> I don't know what you even call those people. <laughs> but... But yeah, like someone like Trey and like I worked with my friend Alex Previty on Heartbroken and they're just two people that I just trust with yeah. like my whole life. And honestly, like those are probably the only two people I know who I could even trust to mix things. And and that's all it's about for me is like working with people that you love, like you that you like whose music you love and whose style you love and then just trusting them because I, I don't like being like hey do this do that yeah 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 i feel like at the end that will make your project not feel like it it won't like reach the potential that it could totally so going into the record now what was your mindset as far as how you wanted sleeveless to sound say when compared with heartbroken was there any difference differences for how you wanted this record to sound compared to heartbroken um i kind of wanted it to be somewhat of a a casual follow-up like a just taking the sound just a little bit further yeah but but going into sleeveless i actually like kind of was like idolizing a lot of hair metal and stuff like that and i think that took a little bit more of an influence on it and i i dialed it back a little bit but at times I was like, oh, this is going to be a hair metal record. <laughs> <laughs> I could, I feel like sonically you can't totally, you can't really hear that. But I feel like in the, <laughs> the drama at certain points in the record, I could totally see that. I feel like there's a certain drama to several songs on this record that's very hair metal-ish in a way. <laughs> totally. <laughs> The first single on the record I thought was really cool, Trifling Kids, tells a story of lust at a Brooklyn dive bar. It's cool because it seems to follow two fictional characters that are that borrow from real-life experiences to kind of create the scene. And that's always cool to me because I'm always interested in how artists go about writing songs that follow a fictional narrative. So how'd you go about creating that kind of fictional narrative that's also has a basis in reality? Oh, uh-huh. I mean, I guess this project has always been somewhat of like a, a fictional narrative based on reality because like I've been trying to like play this character of Johnny Dynamite. They're Johnny Dynamite, yeah. So it's kind of just taking that like a little further of being like the fictional character writing about more fictional characters nice and and what yeah what inspired that track um uh it was just i i actually went to the the do you remember when crazy town played sunnyvale (laughs) yes i didn't i didn't go but i remember that happening and it was insane did you go yeah i went and that was just a crazy night and so i i I pulled from some experiences there and that's pretty, <laughs> and I just thought that was kind of like a funny way to write a track. <laughs> what was that show like? Was it sold out? Was it packed? Oh yeah, it was sold out. And like, I've never seen Sunnyvale like 
packed the way yeah. it was. Dude, that venue was, I've only seen 10 people in there, I think. <laughs> yeah. No, like no more, no less. Exactly <laughs> 10 people in that space. That's yeah, about, like, to imagine it full like that is insane. Yeah, and like the 10 people, they're all like staggered throughout the really long room. <laughs> yeah, like that's really... <laughs> a fire hazard. I'm glad nothing happened <laughs> at that crazy township. But yeah. what what was their set like? That's crazy. Um, I don't know. They just went off. <laughs> Good it was for great. Them. I mean, every, everything was, everyone was like waiting for that like one single. I think it's called Butterfly. It's yeah, like, Butterfly. Yeah, come, come lady. My lady, come, come. yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Good when they stuff, played crazy that, town, yeah, then everyone's like Instagram stories, like they're doing it. Here I am. <laughs> so, what I was also really impressed with on this record is I feel like your your lyrics are really good, especially on trifling kids. Bats in the woods, too. Track you Thank described you. as uh, describing or kind of going into this romance you had with a friend who was fighting inner demons and you wanted to make sure they found inner peace before they got serious. I thought it was cool, the metaphor between bats and inner demons, and I was curious about how you pieced those two things together. How'd you decide to kind of use bats to represent inner demons on that track? Hmm. I... It's honestly just like kind of like a line that just started to come out. Like I was just, I write a lot of my stuff kind of just like freestyling and it just kind of came out and it felt right. So when you write a lyric like that, is it something that came to you just in everyday life and then you jotted it down in your like notes section of your iPhone? Or do you sit down with the intention of, I'm going to write lyrics for this song that I have? Um... Sometimes it just comes to me while I'm just walking around and sometimes uh, I'll just be like listening to the instrumental that I wrote and kind of just like singing along either in my head or out loud and then I'll grab some words that I like and write those down and then eventually track it. I, I think actually something that did inspire it though was uh, I was just riding my bike through Manhattan while listening to the song and there's this artist who's on Instagram called Sucky Bat, and he has all these, uh, <laughs> nice. yeah, like very like specific uh, like street art images of a bat, and I guess it felt like bats in the woods to me. Like uh, even though this is like cityscape, that's it's kind of just like felt like that to me. Nice, that's awesome. That's really cool. Cool story behind that track. Thank you. The. I like how you mix, and you did this on Heartbroken too, there's a good amount of these songs that have a positive, uplifting message. And then there's songs that also delve into more darker themes that kind of are rooted in reality of what can happen sometimes in life. Of course, life is full of good times and bad times. I like specifically drugged and fucked up paradise which seemed a little bit darker what inspired those tracks in particular uh drugged that one that one was just inspired i think by like a night that i had when i was like 20 years old where i was just really really fucked up 
and I was just like hanging out with a friend and I was just like we're just never gonna remember these times you know and like I mean like I said I, I really don't remember but it's kind of just like that it was like the feeling of like just being at a party like just really enjoying yourself and being like we're never gonna remember this moment and uh fucked up paradise that one's actually pretty dark it's kind of like yeah it's like about my friends and kind of like brooklyn just being like such a place where people will just do drugs all the time like stay up till 11 a.m and like it's kind of like this like weird form of paradise that you're like glorifying you're like glorifying this lifestyle that is actually just really terrible for you and i i wrote that song like like right now i drink beer and like yeah. that that's pretty much that's all i do but uh yeah. like i wrote i wrote that song like just like quitting like a bunch of like terrible drugs and like it made me kind of realize or like come to like the light of it that like that's not paradise that's like something that's really fucked up yeah that's cool to like hear about how you gained that perspective kind of from stepping stepping outside of it and then kind of contrasting it to being within it almost so it's it's cool that because i think drugged and fucked up paradise are right next to each other on the record they are drugged and fucked up paradise so they kind of kind of chronologically follow times in your life sort of and also kind of contrast have like contrasting perspectives almost yeah, totally, totally. I that's actually I'm glad that you noticed that cuz that that is why I put them next next to each other on the record cuz I was like, oh, this is me when I was like 20 years old and this is me coming out of it now, you know. Yeah. And speaking of, I thought cuz right after that is it's dynamite, <laughs> which I thought was cool to close the record because there's this repeating lyric in the song, pleased to meet you. You know, my name is dynamite, which is interesting because you'd think pleased to meet me. Oh, maybe that it should be at the beginning, but it's at the end of the record. And it's <laughs> kind of like this introduction to you. Was there anything to that in particular that you decided to end the record with this song where you, you kind of seem like you're introducing people to, to who you are. I think it actually also kind of follows out of yeah. paradise a little bit because it's like okay i'm out of this this is what i am now this is my best new you self. yeah 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 the new me and there was times where i did consider opening the record with it but i was like you know what this is like i even typically live i play it as my last song kind of as like like a like a faux encore kind of feeling and it, it just kind of felt right to put it at the end kind of as like a little celebration yeah, it's it's symbolic. I kind of felt like that was what you were getting at was it's this new beginning for yeah. you almost. Something else that I thought was cool, Can't Stop My Love, obviously. <laughs> awesome, uplifting track. In comparing it to a song on Heartbroken, it really reminds me of Hey, Join Me, You're Not Alone. It kind of seems like an extension of that song's message, almost, of love and positivity despite facing adversity. There's kind of even this similar comforting refrain at, you know, in Hey, Join Me, You're Not Alone. It's the, the title that's kind of this comforting refrain. And in 
Can't Stop My Love. It's Can't Stop My Love. But I also really thought the really comforting lyric in there was Can't Wait for Monday Morning So My Neighbor Dry Your Eyes. I was wondering, do you see those two songs as related or coming from a similar place within you emotionally? Yeah, they're totally related. And I actually wrote them like pretty close to each other. Oh, wow. Yeah, I considered putting Can't Stop My Love on the first record, but I figured I would like save it for something else. But yeah, it was like totally that feeling of like just trying to like lift yourself up, kind of like create like a sing-along kind of thing where we could just be like, hey, we're not alone and nothing can stop our yeah. love, you know? Yeah, what what were you drawing from, uh, inspiration from then lyrically for both of those songs? What What particularly was happening in your life that you were able to kind of take this uplifting message from inside of you to share with other people? Um, I guess it was kind of just like, like breaking out of my shell a little bit because like for so much of my life I've been such an introvert and like I just wanted to like feel more like within a community and like be surrounded by people and like in New York City you know we're surrounded by so many people but sometimes we could feel so isolated at the same time and like I want to just be like hey join me you're not alone you know like like if we just all admit that we could all just become friends we could all just like you know, create a lot of love together and make something happen between all of us. And so they they do kind of go hand in hand like that. And like the idea like of can't stop my love is like, if anything's like getting you down or like you feel like, yeah, if like anything's like getting you down, you could just be like, Hey, you know, it doesn't matter. Like just, I can't let this like form some sort, some form of like negativity within me. You just gotta be like, I, this can't stop my love because if you just if you say that and you go into it with that mentality like nothing will stop you great message for sure (laughs) something i realize i've never gotten to ask you about in the interview setting is your name johnny dynamite it's the name of a comic book character that your grandfather pete marisi created Tell us a little bit about how your grandfather inspired the name. And in turn, since he was a creative person as well, and you're a creative person, how has he inspired you creatively? Well, growing up, like, my grandfather's art was, like, always around my dad's house. And, like, I would just see it all the time. And I never thought really too much of it. I was just like, oh, he's just like, you know, he, like, enjoyed making comics. And then... He passed away in 2003, and w- the whole family started to like kind of like learn more and more about wow. him. Like we didn't realize that he actually kind of has like a pretty cool cult following, and I just thought that was so cool. And it, like I just tried to like kind of like take that on a little bit more. And like growing up, like he there there was this like one thing in my room that said Johnny Dynamite. And I was like five years old. I didn't know any better. And I was the only yeah. Johnny in my family. So I was like, oh, that's that's me. I'm, I'm Johnny Dynamite. So, that, so that's interesting, too. So it seems like there was a renewed interest in your grandfather's kind of creative comic book illustrating pursuits in 2003. Probably coincided with around the time you started 
getting more into playing music and doing more things creatively. Do you see those two things as connected? Did did discovering that your grandfather was this, you know, great artist inspire you to kind of pursue this other artistic medium? I think it probably did, maybe somewhat subconsciously because yeah. I did like start picking up guitar in like 2004. Yeah. And I started just getting really more into music during that time. And who knows, like, it could be anything from, like, your grandparents passing, finding out that they're artists. But I was also just really getting into music at that, that time, too. So it's, it's tough to say. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, though. And you're kind of almost, like, carrying on his artistic legacy through a different medium, through music. What does that mean to you? It seems, you know, really powerful to uh, connect with a loved one that's passed on by kind of carrying on uh, their legacy through your stage name. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really dear to me. That's, that's why I decided to do it, because for a while I was like, oh, I could come up with a band name. And then, like, one day it just kind of hit me. I was like, you know what? I could just be Johnny Dynamite. Like, if people don't know the backstory, it's it's almost kind of a funny name. It's like, oh, so you're going to call yourself Johnny Dynamite? Like, it's, it's like you think you're that great or something like that. <laughs> but, like, it is really dear to me. And I think about it a lot. And I'm like, I hope that I hope that he would be proud of what I'm doing and that he would like the music that I'm making using his character. Yeah, of course, totally. I'm sure he would love it. And his whole story, because I was reading more about it, that he, um, <laughs> I thought it was cool that he would write the comics and do his drawings in his room or a closet in his room because he, he would have been in danger of losing his job, I was reading, because he wasn't allowed to, I guess kind of take on that side job for the job that he had and how you uh, you don't have the same um, danger of losing employment but you do a lot of your work in in your room as well so it's cool to see that that parallel thank you yeah I, I think it's kind of funny sometimes when I think about it I'm just like <laughs> wow like the seed didn't fall very far from the tree <laughs> yeah it's super cool how do you do you view Johnny Dynamite as a character? separate from yourself or inspired by yourself um it, de it definitely is inspired by myself but i do like when i started taking it on i was trying to be like a little bit more uh a little bit more extra with the the concept of it being like pushing myself to be this like johnny dynamite person and it's funny i was actually had this conversation with someone the other night and like i started to realize that like the whole like Johnny Dynamite thing has like taken on quite a bit of myself as well as myself has taken on the Johnny Dynamite thing. And it's almost feels just like one at, at this point now, which is. It's interesting because you mentioned how you felt like you've kind of come out of your shell and become more extroverted. Do you think kind of assuming this sort of new different identity helped you to do that? helped you to become a new person yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah that's 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 cool to hear that's fun what songs are you most excited to play live since you put on a really fun and engaging live show well i'm i'm really excited to play uh to play bats in the woods live with the full band the full five piece 
Um, but uh, I, I want to try to learn some songs from the the original record, Heartbroken. I, I love playing Hey Join Me Live when when we were getting to play that before quarantine. It just it's just one of those songs. It just feels really good to play live. But uh, I I hope to maybe like throw in some covers too. <laughs> oh, nice! What you planning? Any special covers? Uh, not 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 anything right now, but <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So earlier this year, you also put out a new baby and dynamite track called Dead Fred. It's your project with Cam from Weiner. Tell us about Baby and Dynamite, and do you have anything else planned for that specifically for the rest of this year? Yeah, we're, we're hoping to put out our, our first EP. Um, we have a, a series of three volumes called Guaranteed to Chill Your Blood, and it's all written and recorded. It's just a matter of like figuring out the timing between all of our projects so it doesn't just seem like a storm of music coming out. But... Hopefully by like the fall, I would like to maybe release something in October because uh, I feel like that's kind of like the nature of it. It's kind of like a horror themed based, um, it's like a horror themed based, like weird electronic music, but it's, it's something that I'm really passionate about and making music with Cam is, uh, it's just so much fun. Like it would be something that we would do together. Like he would, he would get off work, he would come over Friday night and we would just just make a make a song and that would just be something we would do casually like every weekend but but yeah hopefully hopefully we'll be able to get that out this year cool i'm super excited to hear that and yeah since you've played in so many projects over the years and it it seems like since last year your your solo work has taken more of a, a folk a more of a focus um you know you, you're putting out two LPs in in two years but I'm curious for all the years you've played in bands like Weiner you played in Ash Jesus as well being in those projects how do you think that inspired your solo work or influenced your solo work at all playing around uh, all these different great musicians um I think every one of them has really influenced me a lot and I it's really cool like like listening to like Cam's lyricism, like I've taken like so much from that, uh, like Henry's keyboard work and drumming style that I just basically play in minor. Like it's all his parts that he wrote and then I just play them. And I've taken a lot of that, put it into my own music as well as like Christian's guitar work and, and, uh, Bridget's bass playing. I feel like all of that really ties into my music a lot. And I feel like it's kind of cool. It's like, like, I feel like you just can't help but from, like, take from, like, all your friends around you. It's, I feel like it's kind of natural. Like, I feel like they also, you know, that they learn from me in the same, in the same way. Totally. And another thing that I thought was interesting, too, and kind of since you've had this last year where there's really no live music or things going on where you know you're you're playing drums with other projects regularly do you think you would have been able to put out sleeveless if not for kind of the pandemic kind of giving you a chance to step back and reset and 
you know, focus a little bit more on putting out your your second solo record? Honestly, probably not. Yeah. Like, I mean, my hope was after putting out the first record that I would be able to, like, play a bunch of shows with the project, like, even more so than I was before putting it out and, like, kind of, like, develop it a bit more. But, like, I was at a time, like, I was, like, playing, like, three shows a week. Yeah, very busy. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, rarely even have time to, like, practice with any of these bands, too, just because (laughs) (laughs) it just show after show. And I think that definitely, like was one of the reasons why it took heartbroken so long to come out because i i had that record done in 2018 and i wanted to put it out but it's just like there's just way too much for me going on otherwise do you like it like that do you like to be busy playing gigs all the time and and stuff like that it seems like a lot of fun yeah no i i do love it but to be honest like going into quarantine and having like a few shows canceled i was like ah. Oh, wow, this is actually kind of nice. I could get, I could do my own thing a little bit. But, yeah. <laughs> but then after a few months, I was like, ah, I really want to get back to hitting the drums. Yeah, cool. That, yeah, that's, that's, that's very, very cool. And I'm excited to see not only Johnny Dynamite play live, but also Weiner. <laughs> Tell me about the inspiration behind the title of this record, Sleeveless. Does it, does it have any deeper meaning to you? And if so, tell us a little bit about that. Um... I actually wrote a song that called Sleeveless and it ended up becoming a B-side. I took it off the record, but there was a line that said, I wear my heart on my sleeve. And I thought it was kind of funny. Like, if it's sleeveless, <laughs> you, can't wear, cool. you can't wear your heart on your sleeve. If it's sleeveless. <laughs> <laughs> but then I just had this like image of that like jacket from when I wrote that song. And I was just, yeah, yeah. I, and then I wanted the whole record to be about that jacket. Yeah, it's iconic, yo. Iconic <laughs> shot already of the sleeveless jacket and your back turned. Yeah, how'd you come up with that? How how's the whole how do you see the whole record is kind of about that? Um I, it was kind of like just trying to imagine this like punk version of myself with it's like having this like battle jacket that I could create from it and like have the patches become songs and like at a certain point, like it, it almost felt like a joke to me. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna put studs on it. Yeah, I'm gonna have spikes on it." It's, and it just all just ended up becoming a reality at the end of the day. Yeah, that's such a cool, like, overarching concept. So every song has a patch on the sleeveless jacket, <laughs> and it all comes together. And you wear it, you wear it on yourself. Yep, without my sleeve. <laughs> without sleeves. <laughs> How'd the relationship with Born Losers Records start? Great label. I know last week we were talking about Love the New Dante Elefante record as well. Yes. And they putting out, the label's putting out great stuff. How'd that come about? Well, during quarantine, I was, I was following them a bunch. I was just like, wow, I love everything that they're doing. And I found out about them through Corinne because I've seen Corinne play a show at Brooklyn Bazaar. I forget like when, but like a few years back and I was blown away. So I'd just been following them ever since. And we actually recorded the baby and dynamite thing or like got it mixed by Trey before getting my album mixed by Trey. I just like, I was talking to Trey a bit. I was talking to Corinne a bit during quarantine. And then I made like an Instagram story being like, Hey, I have this weird electronic thing with my friend. Um, does anyone, can anyone mix this kind of music? And then Trey replied to my story. He was like, let me give it a shot. <laughs> and then he mixed it. 
<laughs> and I was just like blown away. I was like, oh my God, this is, this is so, this is so great that this is happening. And then I was like, okay, let, let's have him mix sleeveless. And then he showed sleeveless two born losers. And then from there, the rest is pretty much history. The rest is history, everyone. And Sleeveless is out now on Born Losers Records. You can get yourself a copy on limited edition. It's like a cool red swirl vinyl, isn't it? Yeah, I call it the red blob sometimes, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Red blob vinyl via bornlosersrecords.bandcamp.com. And you just got to click Johnny Dynamite. And then you'll be able to get this record along with a sleeveless tee. But the t-shirt is a ringer shirt and it has sleeves. So everyone, you're going to want to be rocking that this summer. You might want to cut off the sleeves, too, if you're (laughs) a true fan. (laughs) All right, everyone. So now we're going to play two tracks from Johnny Dynamite's brand new record, Sleeveless. We're going to hear Bats in the Woods and Can't Stop My Love.
We just heard two tracks from Johnny Dynamite's brand new album, Sleevelets. It's out now on Born Losers Records. We heard Bats in the Woods and Can't Stop My Love. Everyone, you can get a copy on vinyl via bornlosersrecords.bandcamp.com. All right, so Johnny Dynamite picked some records from my record collection and we're going to talk about what he picked we're starting with classic tune come as you are by nirvana off of never mind was this a, a big record for you around that time in 2003 2004 that you started playing guitar yep you called it that's that's the one for me i, I remember when i heard Nirvana the first time I actually didn't like it but then it like crept up on me like so much that year and like the specifically the song come as you are just really got me that like little guitar riff that that chorus pedal effect that he had on it it just it was just like my obsession like I became like the biggest like Kurt Cobain fanatic and I just loved everything about Nirvana but specifically that record is a uh, is a special one for me and i remember i after hearing come as you are um i had i had to have a small clone chorus pedal so that was like the first pedal that i ever got when i was like 12 or 13 years old and then ever since i've just been using that pedal i don't turn it off yeah it's <laughs> it's funny because i know you're you're originally from staten island i'm originally from staten island too and i remember yeah. like first getting into rock music outside of what maybe my parents had listened to like the beatles and stuff like that and i remember in in early in well like late in middle school and then like early in high school nirvana was definitely one of those bands listening to to k-rock and shit like that in new york city oh, you yeah. remember that i used to <laughs> really dating myself here but i used to have like a boom box and then I would tape stuff off of the radio. I wonder if I, oh, I wonder yeah. if I have those like tapes still. But I remember I used to like record songs off of the radio and shit. And there's a good chance "Come as You Are" was was on that. Do you, do you remember like going to gigs on Staten Island and stuff too? I remember I would go see my friends play at Dock Street. You know, way on the North oh, Shore. Yeah. Did you ever go there growing up or stuff like that? Yeah, Dock Street was actually the first place that I played when I was fourteen years old. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what, what was what? What's your band sound like at at fourteen years old? It sounded like grunge music. Like it was just straight up, like trying to rip off Nirvana as hard as I possibly could. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Which I don't know if that went over too well because a, a lot of people were playing like ska music and a little bit more like heavy heavier metal at the time. Yeah, I but, remember. Do you remember the band Melmac? No, they were no, from Staten Island. They were like a ska band. Monty Love. Do you remember that band? Yeah, I'm no, a little older no. than you, so. <laughs> but but <laughs> those I remember are bands I'd go see at uh, Dock Street. I remember the first year I went to, my mom wouldn't let me go by myself, so she stood in the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my dad came to all my shows. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, well, that's cool to hear about your grunge beginnings on Staten Island. <laughs> Will I swear that I'd 
Moving on to something very different sounding, but probably just as influential to music. It's cool uh, how influential and important Kendrick Lamar has been to music in general of, uh, over the last decade. You picked Swimming Pools off of Good Kid, Mad City by Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, so I guess I heard that in, I think, 2014 or 2015 when it came out. And I was just blown away by the production and just the way Kendrick like speaks and raps and sings over it. It just, it kind of blew my mind. And like, I've always been a fan of like, early like 90s yeah. rap but that was like the first time i heard like some new rap that i was just like whoa this is so good on like all aspects and like that like drowning synth tone i was just like how do i yeah get that? something that's always cool for me to hear from artists that make music that's still based you know it was grown out of rock music essentially is how they're influenced by hip-hop artists sometimes because you wouldn't intuitively expect that so do you t what do you take away from his music that you bring to maybe your own music when you're writing or recording um I'm, sometimes i mean definitely the production that's yeah. that's something that that really really sticks with me and i, I like to do like some spoken word stuff yeah. now and i i obviously can't rap <laughs> but like <laughs> but uh but a lot of times i do kind of write my words in somewhat of like a rap or like spoken word kind of flow and then later add a melody to it and like listening to kendrick that that really influenced me a lot yeah it's cool and it's really fascinating to hear that too very cool right now and i'm hoping to lead you to victory kendrick if i take another one down i'm a drowning some poison abuse my limit i think that i'm feeling the vibe i see the love in her eyes i see the feeling of freedom is granted as soon as the damage of i could arrive this how you capitalize this is parental advice and apparently i'm over influenced by what you are doing i thought i was doing the most that someone said to me next lost in the supermarket by the clash off of london Ooh. calling yeah i love I probably think about this song every time I'm at a supermarket. I don't know about you, but so I think about it regularly. But my favorite song about yeah, supermarkets. Yeah, I, I actually heard it in a supermarket one time. <laughs> That's like way too meta for me or meta. Yeah. I've never heard it yeah. played on like at a supermarket, but I would love to experience that someday. <laughs> yeah, but th that's that song. I just I love that song. Like, hearing, like, London Calling for the first time, that was, like, the one that really stuck out to me. Just everything about it. It almost doesn't quite fit on the record, in a way. Yeah, it's like it's totally. One of the songs you're, that, you're so right. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, a lot of the record is just, like, Joe Strummer. It's, the, like, Joe Strummer sound. But then, like, I think the other guitar player's name is Mick Jones. Yeah. And he wrote a, a few of the hits that are, like, on that record. And that one in particular, like, the guitar sound the drum rhythm it's it's just so catchy it just gets stuck in my head all the, the guitar time. sound on that song is really textured textured in a way that makes it 
sound like it's not a guitar almost, you know? Yeah, it almost feels like a synthesizer. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, I never really thought about it like that, and now I'm thinking about it like that. Next, Darklands by the Jesus and Mary chain off of Darklands. This is a band where could definitely see you drawing influence from this band in, in particular in, in your own music. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jesus and Mary chain, like that's I try to rip them off. Like, I just love everything about that that particular record. Like, I, I like the first record, too. But for some reason, Darklands is like the one for me. It's just something about that kind of singer songwriter style just over this heavy drum machine that almost feels like out of place like the first time i heard it i was like why didn't they get a real drummer but then like listening to it more and more i was just like oh this is such a vibe and it's something that totally has grown total vibe when did you first start getting into a band like the jesus and mary chain like when did you first discover them I think that was around like 2012 or yeah, 2013. Yeah, so kind of later in life, yeah. Yeah, col- the, that would be your college years. Same, same for me. My college years yeah. was when I started getting into a, a band like, like the Jesus and Mary Chain. Cool, dude. We're we're riding similar wavelengths in life. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, their their current stuff is really good too. I was happy to see them get back together i've seen them play live since they got back together and it's never guaranteed that a band when they get back together is going to be able to put out good new music and they definitely did so good for them It's funny, this next one, Baby One More Time, Britney Spears off of Baby One More Time. It was a record given to my fiance from a coworker for a Secret Santa thing. And since we have it, I scanned it into my discogs. And I got to say, people have been picking it. And I'm happy about <laughs> that. Max Martin, I'm pretty sure, wrote this song. Great songwriter. And... Yeah. This is seems like a song that has resonated with a lot of people because they remember that time fondly and they remember the late 90s getting into music and what they were hearing on the radio and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that one specifically. I have this like one memory of like my mom driving me to school and she was just singing along to it. <laughs> and- <laughs> But I, I had to pick that one because specifically because of the Max Martin influence, because like in that time period, like Max Martin was creating like pop music basically as we know. Yeah. It. And like 
like there's like NSYNC and like the Backstreet Boys and like just literally name someone from that time. And he period. wrote songs and for he, them. Yeah. I mean, what an incredible songwriter. And this was, I think, one of the first big projects that he was involved with this debut, uh, Britney Spears' debut album. And then I think that kind of catapulted him or he may have been involved with the Backstreet Boys first album. I can't remember, but I know I remember watching like on YouTube not too long ago an interview where she's talking about working with Max Martin on this record. So before she even really got famous. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Max Martin, he's he's definitely like a big influence to me. Like even when he put out the or Taylor Swift put out the 1989 record, I was that's when I was really blown away by him too. Like the production on that is just something else. And I I, I see a lot of influence that I've taken from Max Martin's style and even the songwriting and stuff yeah. like that. What a great Swede he is. What a sweet what a Swede. <laughs> Allison by Elvis Costello off of My Aim is True. Beautiful love song, beautiful ballad. I love this this track. Really personal, intimate track about, I guess, someone you were in love with. And then you kind of see her later on in life and she's moved on and she has a whole new life and stuff like that. Really pretty song. Yeah, that's such a beautiful track. My my dad showed me that when I was a kid. I actually would like play that song in in my my dad's basement with him. Like he would play guitar and, and sing along, and I'd just play the drums. And it was just one that always stuck with me as just being like a classic that that I would just like. Lo- Oops, okay. just like a classic that I that would that I would love forever. And like listening to his voice, he he's just one of like the greatest singers. Like. Like the, I don't even know what it is. It's just maybe not like one of the greatest like singers technically, but like the tone of his voice is something that I've always tried to emulate. Yeah, the tone of his voice, the way he enunciates words is really cool and unique. He is a legend and kind of defined that whole pub rock sound coming out of the uh, UK in the late 70s, early 80s. I love him very much. I'm not gonna get too sentimental like those other stick of Valentines. Cause I don't know if you are loving somebody. I only know it isn't mine. Last but not least, I'm straight by the modern lovers off of the modern lovers. Jonathan Richmond, such a unique and eccentric guy and songwriter for sure. Yeah, th- this one I actually had a funny story because I I just found out about the modern lovers only like maybe like four years ago. Like I don't know how I missed them my entire life being a New Yorker. It just I I, I kind of just missed them. 
but one day my friend put this song while we were just driving around in the car and like i thought he was talking about me hippie johnny i was like, well, <laughs> like <laughs> and like he kind of sings kind of like my friend i was like is this your track i was like what is this and he was just like kind of looking at me like like what like he didn't even say anything and he just like let me kind of like go on i was just like what what is this about like is this because i smoke weed like what that's funny <laughs> i was like this is, it, it was just it, it's really funny but like the the modern lovers like ever since finding out about them in that moment like i just love turning on that record it's a fun it's one just such a good his song. his playful yeah. style of songwriting and again the way he sings is very unique to him and really i think resonates with listeners kind of just like puts a smile on your face yeah yeah i get such a kick out of it and every time like i listen to it i'm just like how does he do it <laughs> totally please because here's your chance to make me feel awkward and wish that i had never even called up this place i saw you go today Walk by with Hippie Johnny. I had a call. All right. Johnny Dynamite. Sadly, we're coming to the end of the show. Hey, so great chatting with you, my friend. Congratulations on the release of Sleeveless. Everyone, again, you can get a copy on vinyl. This cool red blob vinyl. It's described on Bandcamp as clear with red blob. So that's that's the technical title of this color of the pressing. Clear with red blob vinyl. There's also a t-shirt you can get. A ringer t-shirt. Gotta get ringer t-shirts. Great look for the summer. Johnny. Now that the record is out, what you got planned? Any shows coming up? Touring? Seems like that stuff is coming back and hopefully here to stay. Yeah, we're we're trying to play some release shows coming up in the next week. Um, pl- gonna play some shows in July and August. Hopefully, some outdoors, some rooftops. Uh, got something planned at our Wicked Lady in in late Hell August. Yeah. And- Fingers crossed we might have a really cool tour coming up in the middle of December. Whoa, can't wait. Everyone, we're going to end the show by playing the last track on Sleeveless. It's Dynamite. Johnny, Dynamite. It was Dynamite chatting with you today everyone go get the record it's awesome such a pleasure tom thanks for having me all right we're ending the episode with one final track from sleeveless it's the last track on the album it's dynamite